In the 1970s and 1980s, Carlos Castaneda wrote a series of books about his mystical journey. His teacher, who he called Don Juan, presumably uh, an allusion to the importance of love in any mystical process, taught him a, a number of things which to Western-trained people sound bizarre and incomprehensible, which I suppose was the appeal of the books. One of the things that he talked about was stopping time. Now, at first glance, the idea of stopping time seems almost counterintuitive, oxymoronic, one might even say. The um, Anyone who's been involved in a car accident or something like that is probably aware of the idea of time slowing down, and people often report that time seems to slow down. So before we can stop time, we have to learn to slow time down. Now, people often say nowadays, in the last, probably last 5, 10, 15 years, that time seems to go very fast. Of course, scientists would say that's ridiculous. Time's going the same speed it always has because what they're measuring is the movement of atom of, of uh, electrons or uh, whatever in hydrogen atoms or some, something similar, some kind of cesium atom or something like that. So they're using time to measure time. So, of course, that doesn't make any sense. You imagine a, a camera, a movie camera, uh, and it takes uh, an image, let's say, 40 frames a second. And in a way, this is what our minds do. They take an image, uh, an impression at every, periodically, so many times a second. It's not quite that simple because we don't work in it digital way, but we can, you can see the metaphor, see the analogy. Now, if you're only taking 20 frames a second, then a second will appear to be half as long. Time speeds up. And in a way, this is what's happening with people's minds. We have less concentration, less ability to hold our attention. We don't see the detail that we used to see. And when I give meditation exercises, people report strange, uh, strange things. One of the things is they say they become more attentive to songs, just listening to a pop song on the radio. They suddenly become aware of the lyrics or something in the music. They're starting to listen to detail because if you're only listening at 20 frames a second, you miss a lot of detail. If you're listening at 40 frames a second, as it were, you pick up more detail and time slows down. The exercises are very simple and I've given one in these talks. And the exercise was that when you 
go to touch a door handle, become aware of that, the hand touching the door handle, and then the feeling of the door handle, and you'll find there's a gap. If you're only running at 20 frames a second, there is no gap. But if you're going at 40 frames a second, you start to notice there's a gap. And if you can, I was going to say slow your mind down. But the irony is, in fact, in one sense, your mind is speeded up. It's a strange thing when you think about it. Your mind is taking in more, so your mind's actually going faster. It's picking up more detail. The more you slow your mind down, the faster it's going. In that sense, because it's relative, you pick up more detail. And if you imagine you're going 120 frames a second, of course, you become aware of nuances that you wouldn't have seen before. There's a book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. And of course, the, the title is very appropriate. And he does talk about how you pick up all very minor um, clues in the blink of an eye. And one of his examples is of a counsellor and uh, she was watching a recording of a married couple who were having a discussion. And outwardly, it seemed like they were very happy and very happily married, but she picked up some clues, and they were to do with minor uh, facial expression, in particular in the woman. And she said, oh, this uh, woman despises her husband. She treats him with contempt. And sure enough, the marriage collapsed shortly afterwards. Now, if our mind's travelling at this uh, 20 frames a minute, we miss it at a 40 frames a minute or 120 frames a minute, we catch those very small things. For many people, the world passes them by. We deal with the, the obvious and this so-called science that people is that, treat, that's now, now the new religion, it's the religion of scientism, of course, only deals with the obvious things. Something is scientific when it's been tested. So you have a hypothesis which says, I wonder if this is causing that. And then you do an experiment to show this is causing that. Well, you're only going to pick up on things that you've um, decided might be cause and effect. You know, for instance, you might want to test if radiation from a mobile phone causes cancer. And, um, I mean, all the, these experiments are completely biased anyway because they're funded by the phone companies to a large extent. And no university is going to step outside of the, uh, the frame and start saying, look, there's a problem here. But even leaving that aside, you're only testing if mobile phones cause cancer. You're not testing other issues. And, of course, you can't test what you don't know about. I wrote an essay. It's on my website, and it's called uh, in the, Co the Colourblind World, and I speculate about a world where everybody's colourblind, except for a small minority of people who can see in colour. And um, it's worth reading. It's all the issues associated with that. But the colour-blind people can't test for colour because they don't know about colour.
in exactly the same way as universities can't test for ESP or for things in other dimensions. And I've talked a lot about how we live in a multidimensional universe, more more than the four dimensions that people are aware of, uh, if they don't know about them. So things like chi energy and so on are, can, are just discounted because they can't be tested in our four-dimensional world. Ironically, physicists will talk about dark matter, and it seems to me that dark matter and chi energy are probably different words for the same thing, but um, that wouldn't be fashionable to admit that in any university. Now, in his books, uh, Carlos Castaneda talks about stopping time, and in order to stop time, you must first slow it down. So you have to increase that frame rate. The evolution of the soul is analogous to something that happens in outer space, where you get a hydrogen cloud that very slowly collapses in under its own gravitational pull until eventually the hydrogen atoms become so closely bound to each other, they, uh, they fuse to form helium, and that process gives rise to the energy of a star. Now, after many billions of years, if the star is large enough, the energy it's producing is not enough to compensate for the gravitational pull of the star. And it collapses in. And if the star's big enough, it forms what we call a black hole. Now, a black hole is very interesting because it's so dense that not even light can escape. And, and effectively, time has stopped. There's something called the event horizon, and when something goes below the inside the event horizon to the outer observer, it would seem to just completely stop in our universe. The black hole is actually punctured through into another universe. Now, in exactly the same way, when we slow down our consciousness we start producing our own energy. And we can slow down our consciousness so much that when time stops, we have become like a black hole. We puncture into another universe. People who have done that they're called enlightened beings or various things in different traditions. No one religion or no one belief system can lay claim to being the only system that takes people through to this point. In a way, this is what religions are for, but of course, that final destination is only available to a very small number of people. But people can become closer to that point on our earth by slowing down time. Meditation helps you to slow down times. 
prayers done properly help you to slow down time and also change your relationship with the scientific cause and effect process that most people are familiar with and you become aware of another overall cause which is outside of time and outside of space an intelligence that drives things our aim on earth is to form a relationship with that intelligence it's said in the Quran that when God created man He told the angels to bow down before Adam, Adam being the first man. And the reason why the angels were instructed, not ordered, they were instructed, they were asked to bow down before Adam was because Adam, a man, has free will, which the angels don't. And um, the story goes that Iblis refused to bow down before Adam. And he said, I will stand before him and behind him and to his left and to his right and mislead him or misguide him on the path. So we have to go back down that Road. When we were created, each person was asked by his creator or told by his creator, am I not your Lord? And every person replied, yes, because it was blindingly obvious. But we go to the earth and we get misled. Jesus told the story of the prodigal son and it's a very salient story. The story was that a wealthy person had two sons. The older son, who was very diligent, looked after his father, was very attentive, and the younger one, who was less so. And one day the younger son says to the father, he said, I want to go out into the world. I want to explore. Can you give me an advance on my inheritance so that I can go out and explore? And the father said, I fear, he said, that if you do that, you won't return. You will get caught up. And the son said, no, no, I just want to explore. So finally the father relents and he gives the son enough money and the son goes off for many years and the father doesn't hear about him. And then he gets news some years later that the son is about to return and every day the father goes out to see if he can see him and he catches a glimpse of him. And then the son returns and comes back and the father embraces him and says, let's throw a a feast for the son, the prodigal son, the prodigal meaning spendrith, son who has returned. 
and the older son says, why? He said, I've been here all the time, I've been looking after you, I've been attentive. Why are you giving this young son who's gone off, realise he's made a mistake and come back, why are you so pleased with him? And he said, because he has returned, he has come. And this is the journey on why we're on earth. We have to return to the understanding where we go back to God and we say, yes, you are my Lord. You've been out in the world. You've explored it. But you return. And part of that return is to realise the superficiality of this world and to realize the superficiality of that world we have to step outside of the world we have to stop time you know it's almost as if every aspect of the society we live in is pushing us in the opposite direction we live in an upside down world And this is really a topic for another day. It is the preparation for the Antichrist. What the Christians call the Antichrist, what Muslims call the Dajjal. And it's called the Antichrist not because he's against Christ. It's the Antichrist in the same way as we talk about antimatter. Everything is opposite. Good is bad, up is down, right is wrong. And this is what we're seeing in our world today. The push is to push us away from that journey towards God. As an example, the relationship with God, that thread that takes us to God, the the link is in our conscience. But the political correct movement tells us we mustn't follow our conscience. If you get a bad feeling about somebody or a situation, we're told we should ignore that. It's not politically correct. That's prejudice. That's just um, blind. You have to follow these precepts that the politically correct people tell you is about right or wrong or good or bad. If you have a feeling that somehow being trans is not quite right or goes against something... You are told, no, you're just a bigot and you're just prejudiced. You have to, so they say, go against your gut feeling. The journey towards God is a journey of expanding consciousness. The world we live in and every aspect of it is about contracting consciousness. Contracting it to the point where you only listen to your intellect. And the intellect can be misguided, it can be manipulated, and it is superficial. Thank you for listening. You can email me phil at graham.net you can look at my website philip with one l 
www.braham.net Braham is B-R-A-H-A-M and if you send an email put podcast in the subject so it doesn't get lost Thank you.